And now, a brand new episode of the Script to Screen News Hour here on Radio Lebanon 96.2 FM with hosts Alan Mahana and Hod Solo. Welcome to a brand new episode of Script to Screen here on Radio Lebanon 96.2 FM. This is Script to Screen News Hour on Saturday. And uh, we come to you this week with uh, quite somber news. Uh, We lost a huge name in pop culture earlier this week. Uh, Stan the Man Lee. Uh, the man behind some of the greatest superheroes um, of our time. But he was more than that. He was a great storyteller. And uh, for Script to Screen, which is a show that is all about, in one way or another, storytelling, um, this is what we are going to be dedicating the entire episode, uh, today's episode, to talk about, to honor uh, Stan Lee. Uh, so I cannot do that alone. Actually, I can't do that alone on, on, on many levels because it's not just uh, the solo to my Chewbacca here joining us. It is also someone who is uh, way more literate maybe than both Hot and I when it comes to uh, comic books and Stan Lee and Marvel and all that stuff. Uh, our good friend Anthony Sargon as well is here. So hello to you both. Hello, hello. Uh, Howdy. Howdy. (laughs) I've been playing a lot of Red Dead Redemption, so that's the only appropriate response. I think a lot of people have been playing a lot of Red Dead Redemption (laughs) over the past uh, couple of of days, a couple of weeks. Weeks? Has it been? Weeks. Yeah, about 20 days. I'm losing track of real time. (laughs) (laughs) So today's episode uh, will largely focus on uh, Stan Lee, his work, um, Marvel, uh, all that good stuff. Um, But before that, we have to... Uh, we do have to do a movie of the week this week, um, and we do have to yeah. cover that. So we will be covering uh, the sequel in the prequel. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, prequel. We're going to be doing that a lot, I think, uh, as, as time goes on. We're going to be talking about uh, sequels to prequels and prequels to sequels and all that good stuff as timelines merge and franchises continue to grow. But we will be talking about Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. It is the movie of the week, so let's not waste too much time. Let's go ahead and just dive right in uh, so that we can move on to the honoring of Stanley. The time's coming when you're going to have to pick a side. No, I don't do sides. You never met a monster you couldn't love. Let's take him. (laughs) 
All right. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Okay, so Fantastic Beasts, the crimes of Grindelwald. Is it Grindelwald or Grindelwald? Well, okay, so um, if you want to pronounce it properly, it would most likely be Grindelwald. um, But all the Americans in the film say Grindelwald, so I think... Because Jude Law at one point says Grindelwald. Vault, yeah, 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 Grindelwald. Um, So, okay, so this is... This is going to be an interesting conversation, yep. seeing as to how I'm uh, the bigger Potterhead between us two. Oh, I'm uh, not a Potterhead. You're a big Potterhead. Yeah. Um, so. uh, which is, you know, if any of you have read my review so far, many of you can be maybe questioning my <laughs> my membership to the to the Potterheads. Um, but it is a very interesting thing because you and I both had very different experiences watching this movie. Yeah. Obviously, for different reasons, because yeah. you love the franchise and I'm a casual watcher of you, those yeah, movies. Yeah, um, So why don't we go ahead and talk about what you thought of the film yeah. first, and then I'll put in my two cents, um, making sure that we're not going to spoil it to anybody. Specifically, we don't want to spoil it because we have someone in the room who hasn't seen it just yet. So... Uh, we don't want to do any spoilers, but we need to talk about certain things as yeah. much as we can. So it's going to be interesting to to do that. So go ahead, jump right in. Look, personally, I enjoyed the movie. I don't have a lot of problems with it. I'm not into the history of Harry Potter. So uh, whenever we, because this movie takes place before the Harry Potter franchise. So mm-hmm. whenever there were scenes or characters or anything referenced to the future Harry Potter uh, series, I'd never really got that, but. It didn't really bother me. Okay. Uh, I enjoyed performances. All in all, I love okay. Eddie Redmayne. Uh, Jude Law, I thought, was quite good. I really enjoyed Johnny Depp because in his last few movies, he's been all over the top, and he was very much in restraint in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> excuse me, like uh, Thanos in Infinity War, he kind of made me understand his reasoning and why he wants to do why okay. what he wants to do. I appreciated that. Uh, visually, it's a stunning movie. The effects are marvelous, are fantastic. <laughs> uh, I had a good time. There are twists here and there. As a person who's not into the, into it deeply, I had fun watching this movie. That that that's all I can really say. I mean, for someone who's not a fan, I liked it. Okay, uh, fair enough. Um, my problems with it go, yeah. So my problems with the film go deeper because I am because, much yeah. deeper into, uh, uh, the, the Potter verse or the Potter universe or whatever you want, the wizarding world. There we go. Um, so visually, I do agree with you. Visually, the film is extremely beautiful. It's, uh, David Yates is upping his game as a yep. director. Um, it doesn't look bland. It, it, it's, there's a lot going on visually between the colors and the, the visual effects, uh, the color. Costume design in this film was astounding, Um, very on point uh, when it comes to the costumes. Bless you. Sorry. Uh, Yeah, HUD is suffering a little bit from a little from a little cold. Yeah, sorry guys. Uh, (laughs) um, um, But but again, my problems here are narratively. I think. Mm. And I made that very clear in my review. I think J.K. Rowling is a great uh, novelist. She is not a great screenwriter. Um, And the language for both is very different. Um, You can do a lot of exposition in a book, but on screen to do a lot of exposition, it becomes very boring and uh, long-winded. And it's going to be very hard for the audience to keep track. Um, The Easter, again, uh, this concept of the movie does a lot of fan service. Fan service is going to slowly start killing films, I think because 
Um, you're going to be focusing on pleasing fans versus telling the story as it should be told. Um, and I almost feel like the Easter eggs that she drops in there are very much those bullet point checkpoints, you know, Mm -hmm. like we need to do this check. We need to do this check. We need to do this check. Um, which again hurts the story. It is very much the transitional film. It feels like the transitional film. I almost feel like, uh, fantastic beasts three is going to be much better. And then we're going to have the same problem with four and then five is going to be the climactic, beautiful end that we all want. Two and four are going to be the worst out of those five films because they're going to be transitional and because J.K. Rowling is going to want to be linking things as much as she yeah. can um, to get to the end point that she wants to get to. There's also the issue of retconning. And this is what bothered me the most about the film is that it's it's indirectly, it almost feels like J.K. Rowling doesn't even remember the history that she's established via the Harry Potter books. She's doing a lot of retconning in this book, uh, in this, haha, and not even a book, a movie. movie. Uh, she's doing a lot of retconning, which is also problematic because it will cause issues when it comes to the Harry Potter movies and the Harry Potter books, uh, because those are ripples that, again, you're messing with the timeline, um, uh, and again, you know, without spoiling too much, there are certain characters that according to the history of, of Hogwarts and who's supposed to be there at what particular time, we're not supposed to be there. And yet they are there. Um, uh, you know, when it comes to certain other characters and, and their relations, their family trees, also that there's mix ups in that as well. Um, on a positive note, one of my, one of my favorite characters in the film, um, who I wish had gotten the proper storytelling that she deserved is Queenie because her arc in this film caught me completely off guard. And I absolutely loved where the character ended up by the end of the movie, Mm -hmm. but she didn't get enough screen time. And I think this is the thing with all the characters. Uh, Jude Law was barely used. Johnny Depp was barely used. And I agree with you. I love this very toned down, uh, almost introverted Mm -hmm. Johnny Depp and not very like quirky as we are used to him, a very non Jack Sparrow-y Johnny Depp. I liked Grindelwald's character. Um, That monologue scene at the end is just, whoa, Mm -hmm. out of this world is amazing. Um, But again, she's trying to juggle too much with this movie. There are so many subplots, so many different characters that she's trying to get to, which cause the film to feel very choppy. And again, I don't know if you felt that, but I was like exhausted by the end of it. I was exhausted mentally. I was exhausted visually because there's, again, there's a lot going on. Um, And then narratively, it was just a migraine for me. Um, but again, I feel like this, this third film that's going to come after this is going to be much better. And then five is going to be excellent, but two and four are going to be hugely problematic. Probably. Yeah. Again, not, not the biggest fan. So, but, but yeah, you are right about some characters being underwritten and underused that I do agree with that. But again, it's a link to a bigger chain of movies. So perhaps we have to wait and see what happens next. Perhaps. But for us to be saying this when it comes to cinema is a problem. This is not a TV show. Like, and, th- and this is how movies are being written today. Like, re- remember a while back a movie called Mile 22 came out? Yeah. It literally ends on a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. This is, it's cinema, guys. It's, it's like you need to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. I don't mind an open ending. I don't mind something left to be solved in the next one, which is what all the Harry Potters did, what, all, what some of the Marvels movie do. Um, Lord of the Rings. Lord I mean, of the Rings did that as well. Cliffhangers can be used, like Lord of the Rings, for example, is how a cliffhanger should be done. Yeah, exactly. Because it, the, the, like the, the plot line for a film is done, but then you're left with a little bit 
exciting you for, for what's mm-hmm. to come afterwards. Um, whereas this, this is just like a telenovela ending. It literally, it feels like a soap opera ending and it's very bothersome to see this yeah. uh, in, in, in a series and a franchise that I absolutely love. Uh, again, collectibles at home, read the books multiple times. I have all the DVDs, like, you know, and it was just, it was a very hard review for me to write and very hard for me to even say yeah. this the way I'm saying it now. Um, but you know, will I see the third one? Absolutely. Do I think people should go see this one? Yeah, absolutely. Go see. You might have a, an experience like Had did. You might have a completely different experience than I did. Again, this is the, I almost feel like this film is like the last Jedi of the, uh, the Harry Potter universe. Cause it's really, uh, you know, like it's starting to divide Splits. fans, uh, because some of them are like, Whoa, this is amazing. And others are like, we don't understand what's happening. Why the retconning blah, 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 blah. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's where I stand on the film. Fair enough. Anthony, any thoughts, anything? I'm watching it tonight. I'm honestly, I've read all the Harry Potter books. I consider myself like a pretty decent Harry Potter fan. I was not excited about this franchise ever since it was announced. And the fact that they announced five movies from the get-go, it kind of gave me a headache just thinking about it. Saw the first one. I enjoyed it. I thought it was cute, but it felt like a Pokemon movie set in the Harry (laughs) Potter world. I don't like prequels as a general rule. I don't like going back and explaining things that don't need explaining, especially the story of the guy who wrote one of the textbooks that Harry Potter used in in Hogwarts. I never found that compelling from the get. It was a cute movie and I didn't like David Yates's almost all his Harry Potter movies, five, six, seven, and seven part two, I thought were the weakest of the entire franchise. I like one, two, three, and four. Oh, that's really interesting. I like okay. them way more than I like. Ever since David Yates took over, I felt like he sucked the fun out of the franchise. But when I saw Fantastic Beasts one, he actually brought back some of that magic and some yeah. of that fun. Okay. So that's why I enjoyed it. But ultimately it was pretty forgettable. Like I, yeah. I, I barely remember anything that happened in that movie. I never felt the urge to want to see it again. I'm kind of watching the the sequel out of obligation <laughs> rather than me being excited for it. And the fact that there's three more to come I, means yeah. nothing to me. Honestly. I mean, I, I mean, I did, I did, I did like the David Yates Harry Potter films personally, um, but I do get where you're saying about taking the fun out of it. Uh, but I mean, the book, the books do get a lot darker. Yeah, no, and it made sense because the characters yeah. were getting older and yeah. the circumstances were getting darker, but. I don't know. The movies were really getting less fun. I still like them. They're very solidly yeah, yeah, made. Yeah. And that's just my opinion. Like the majority, the vast majority would disagree with me. But to it's, me, his films were my least favorite of the franchise. So here we are, uh, you know, at the moment that I guess we've <laughs> not really dreading, but uh, where um, we got to start talking uh, and honoring the great man that is Stan Lee. Um I, you know, what, what's a good way to start this? Do we, do we talk about his legacy first, his history first? Uh, do we give a 411 for, for those who don't necessarily know all that stuff about him yet? I think a small breakdown yeah. for the listeners who aren't really familiar with Stanley. Yeah. Shame on you if you're not Well, I mean, yeah, him. but... Uh, Hey, not, not a lot of, you know, we're living in, in, a, in a time where um, uh, research and reading is very limited mm-hmm. by, by a lot of people. They don't, they don't do their due diligence. Um, so, uh, Mr. Sargon, care to start us off? Sure. I mean, to your point, I think nowadays, like I've noticed in many of the Marvel films that I've, when, when I go watch them in the theater, every time Stan Lee shows up, I'd say about half of the audience cheers, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So there is a lot of awareness. And I think since he's been around for 95 years, you know, almost a freaking century, we've been lucky enough to have him for so long. And uh, so he's been 
people have had many chances to see him. Uh, what's the? I mean, obviously, the obvious place to start is that he created some of the most popular comic book heroes of all time. He's pretty much responsible for Marvel as a company f- for creating their most popular characters. Okay. It started with the Fantastic Four in 1961, and ever since he created the Fantastic Four, he he was on a roll. He got Spider-Man after that, Iron Man, um, Hulk, Thor, X-Men, um, Black Panther, Daredevil. Like the dude was unstoppable. So and it's a, it's an interesting misconception, coach. He's, he's not the founder of of Marvel. No, no, he's not. Which the, is what a lot of people think he is. Yeah, no. And Marvel used to be called Timely Comics back in the day. Okay. He joined when he was really young, just like as an assistant, and then sort of moved his way up. And then he sort of fell into this by accident. Stan was just trying to pay the bills. He wanted to be he wanted to be a novelist. He never wanted to be mm. a comic book writer. Right. Um, he, he was ashamed at, at being a comic book writer at first. Exactly. He mm. changed his name from yeah. Stanley Martin Lieber to Stan Lee because he didn't want to associate himself and his mm-hmm. name with comic books. He's like, I'm going to save my name until I write, you know, my great novel. Right now, it's writing comics is too taboo because back in the day, comics were looked at pretty badly by by people. It's like nowadays when, say there's a mass shooting, everyone wants to blame video games. Right. In the 90s and the early 2000s, they were blaming rap and rock music. Right. Well, back in the 60s and in the 70s, they used to blame a lot of like delinquency on comic books. That used okay. to be what they used to blame it on. You know, like your okay. kid isn't studying in school, it's probably the comic, yeah. the, the comics he's reading. So there was no honor in writing comic books and stuff. So he was literally ashamed. And to see how far we've come from that time is really cool. Nice. Um... Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I saw I saw a recent interview where he was talking about, you know, like uh, the, the 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 idea of him being ashamed of being, you know, like a, a comic writer or whatever. Like, it's it's just interesting to to see how you know, even back then, or even for someone like Stan Lee, like to feel that that insecurity is like even he, you know, even Stan the man Lee has yeah. insecurities. <laughs> And in a lot of ways, it kind of it kind of makes sense because then you look at all these characters that he created, and the, I think the thing that stands out the most about these Marvel characters is that even though they were superheroes, they were very much human, mm-hmm. um, and their human elements were very very clear, um, and they struggled with a lot of human. They had human problems, and you know, exactly, uh, it wasn't just good versus evil or like superheroes duking it out. It was there was a lot of other stuff going on in the you know in the subplots and the under currents of, of all these storylines. And I think that, you know, this is where that stems from in a lot of ways. Cause you know, write what you know, put yourself in, in your stories and the stories that you tell. Um, so you said that he's, he, it started with the fantastic four. That was the first one that he, that was the first comic that he wrote the way he wanted. So basically okay. at one point he wanted to leave Marvel. Like he wanted to do something else. His wife, Joan Lee was like, Stan, I know you want to leave. How about you write a comic the way you want to write it? How about you write the characters the way that you want to write them? And then if they don't like it, what's the worst they're going to do? Fire you? You want to leave anyways. So he writes the Fantastic Four. Book sells amazingly well. So his editors basically give him carte blanche and like, do do whatever you want, man. Like, we trust you. And then he just goes on a roll. And just when he was creating these characters, no one, especially him, had any idea that they would be the phenomenons that they yeah. like he was yeah. just trying to pay the bills like okay what what else can i come up with all right um hulk this dude turns green it's like dr jekyll and mr hyde whatever here we go like there was a lot of thought behind them but also it was just a dude trying to pay the bills but he was just very creative and his approach was the right one and that's why they resonated and ended up being timeless but like no one he never would have guessed what what would happen with these characters 50 60 years down the line 
And I think that that's the, you know, that's the beauty of the legacy that he's left behind is that these characters have become not just pop culture uh, uh, icons, but like they are, they are characters that really, really touch and inspire a ton of people. Um, so speaking of these characters, um, I, I, you know, I'm pretty sure I know which character Anthony's going to say, but like, uh, Had, who do you say is your favorite Marvel hero? My favorite Marvel hero is Captain America. Okay. Uh, for, for, for many reasons. He's someone who's very, very loyal, very courageous, uh, comes from a background where he was beat up. Uh, he, he, he was an every man. He, mm-hmm. he was even weaker, than, inferior to, to normal people. And then he became super strong. And I love the, the loyalty he has towards Bucky, the loyalty he has towards uh, the S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, he, he's such an interesting character and when he has to go badass, he does go pretty badass. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that about him. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he's, he's on top of my list. I, I wonder who Anthony is. Yeah, though. I know. So I have no idea. Yeah, no, for whoever, whoever doesn't know, it is definitely Spider-Man and, and that's the character that most people will associate Stanley with. It's like when you think of Walt Disney, you think of Mickey Mouse automatically. When you say Stanley, you'll probably think Spider-Man, Spider-Man yeah. at first, but like, um, He's my personal favorite just because he's the quintessent. He represents exactly what Stan was trying to do. The thing you mentioned earlier, giving extraordinary people ordinary lives and ordinary problems. Spider-Man is the textbook example of that. Like broke 16-year-old kid, um, has to take care of his old aunt, can't pay the bills, can't talk to girls, um, struggles to get a job, and then has to balance his personal life with trying to save New York. And seeing him trying to balance these two things and sort of keep his girlfriend and also try to keep his grades up, try to pay the bills. Um, he's fighting Green Goblin, but Aunt May needs medicine and she's in the hospital. So what does he do? Those those dilemmas. And then he every character he created, there was always a deeper level to it. So yeah, Daredevil is blind. So that gives him a whole other level. The X-Men, you can look at the X-Men and interpret it in so many different ways. You know, Black Panther. Stan was also, I mean, Stan was very um, ahead of his time in terms of... he. First of all, he hated racism. He hated bigotry. Stan, um, at the end of a lot of his comics, used to write what was called Stan's soapbox, where he would mm-hmm. just literally write paragraphs for his mm-hmm. fans in a way to interact with fans. And he had this whole thing that's against bigotry and racism. So the guy really was, I don't know how we got to this point, but like, yeah, once I start talking, I get into all these ideas, but he really was ahead of his time. And um, he also changed the way companies interacted with their fans, which we can get into a little bit later. Yeah. But but that's interesting. What what Anthony's saying is, he always, if you want, stood up for minorities or for people that were uh, like X Men. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the X Men, for example. You're looking at a lot of uh, fights against hom- homophobia, uh, people who are different, people who who have issues. And, and for me, Stan Lee, and I'm gonna get a bit like personal here, is, is a very interesting uh, person in my life because uh, as a kid, I grew up in different countries. And coming to Cyprus from France, I was the kid who can speak English and I found comfort in these characters. And then coming back to Lebanon, also I was the kid who can speak Arabic in school and I was the odd one out. And his characters kind of made me feel comfortable, made me feel that it's okay to be different. And I think that's where uh, one of his biggest strengths it was, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, which which brings it literally at, at home run because, um, 
you know, I, I wrote in the, in the show notes our like favorite MCU hero, but then when I started going down the list, uh, Captain America did did come up, but I, I wanted to go a little deeper and like, mm. w- you know, who is it, you know, which of his characters really did hit home for me? And it was characters, it wasn't a character because it was the X-Men. Mm-hmm. Because I grew up watching the TV show, I read some of those comic books, I wasn't a big comic book reader back then, I read a little bit more now, um, but I did watch, you know, the old animated show and then the and then X-Men Evolution came after that, which was a, a more updated version. I loved the films. And it is exactly, you know, that is exactly why I liked the X-Men, because growing up in high school, I was, you know, severely bullied. Um, I was an outcast. I was an outsider. You know, an Arab kid in America, you know, in pre and mm. post 9-11 periods was not the friendliest of, of, of places. Um, so, you know, um, Characters like the X-Men and what they had to deal with and being outsiders and, and dealing with all that, you know, that hit home. So um, the, the X-Men would probably be my, my favorite heroes uh, in, in a way. Um, and then jumping off to um, more, you know, modern times, but uh, let's say favorite Marvel slash MCU film. Go for it. Go for it. Mine's also obvious. So. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder which his, one. His one he's already spoken about on this show, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think I would have to say um, Infinity War recently. Okay. I love I loved that movie so much. I've watched it, I don't know, four or five times already. I can't <laughs> wait to see the next part. Oh, my God. But yeah. what it did with all these characters, again, Thanos, freaking amazing villain, uh, you relate to him, you understand what he's trying to do. Uh, each character has like that moment mm-hmm. in the movie. Uh, everything, you know, when, when everything about it was just magic. It, it took me places emotionally that I, I couldn't even imagine a movie would do, honestly. Not to jump back to like Fantastic Beasts, but when you look at something like Infinity War and you see how many characters yeah. are in that movie and, yeah. and the fact that every single one of them was concrete and solid and their arcs were there and everything was there and everything was well balanced. And then you look at Fantastic Beasts, which basically has like eight characters and she couldn't even do that with eight characters. It's mind boggling to me. <laughs> anyway, um, my favorite MCU film, I've mentioned this before yeah. a million times as well. Um, would have to be Captain America Winter Soldier. I've seen that like over 25 times. I use it in my art of film class all the time when we get to editing um, because that, that you know, that highway fight sequence is just, bah, it's so mind-blowing. Um, and then it has uh, my, you know, like it's X-Men, Captain America, and then Bucky is for me. The Bucky Captain America relationship is yeah. that loyal friendship thing mm-hmm. is, is amazing to me. It's very Frodo Sam, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, minus the uh, you know like the uh, the homoeroticism, but like it's very uh, Frodo Sam. Um, but yeah, Captain America: Winter Soldier has to be my favorite because it also for me it also changed. Um, the superhero genre, like it wasn't it wasn't just a superhero film. It was a um, conspiracy theory, you know, political mm-hmm. thriller. Oh, and yeah, it's a Marvel movie. Um, so yeah. Mine is hands down Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2. Like to me, no, no comic book movie has ever come close to the greatness of that movie. Even the Dark Knight, like the Dark Knight is great, but like take the Joker out of that movie. It's not nearly as memorable. Yeah, absolutely. Sp- uh, Spider-Man 2 is 
just it's emotional like sure and i love infinity war mm. i saw it four times in theaters but like infinity war got you emotional when spider-man died like they had to go that far to make you cry spider-man too i was crying when aunt may was trying to give peter 20 bucks for his birthday and he was <laughs> yeah. telling her no because she's broke and she's crying and she's telling him please take my money like it was it had some genuine dramatic moments that yeah. just make you tear up that destroy you um he stopped being Spider-Man for like 30 minutes. Like what movie does that? What sequel takes your main character, a really strips, good him, sequel. <laughs> strips him of his powers. And for 30 minutes, he's just walking in the street, eating hot dogs to raindrops keep falling on my mm -hmm. head and still make that an incredible film. So to me, no movie will ever, no comic book movie has ever come close. And again, it's all thanks to Stan Lee's creation and mm -hmm. Sam Raimi, the director was mm -hmm. incredibly influenced by by Stan Lee. He had a painting of Spider-Man hanging over his bed ever since he was like a 13 year old. So you have all these great filmmakers who were inspired by Stan Lee and they're giving us movies that are changing our lives. So it, it like, I don't know where I'd be today if I wasn't exposed to Spider-Man. I don't know what my life would look like today if I wasn't in that theater on May 3rd, 2002, watching Spider-Man for the first time. I, I couldn't tell you where I'd be, honestly. You definitely would not have that tattoo. No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. And so like, it's, it's, it's really, that's why, I, that's, that's what I think people should remember Stan for the most, like the way he's changed our lives in ways that you don't even, you might not even realize until you trace your memories and go back to like, how did that, how did that affect me? How did these characters really affect me? And when I look back in my life, the, the, the influence is, is immense. Yeah, I agree. And the influence he's had on cinema as a whole, you don't have a summer where you don't have blockbuster movies, superhero movies, and not just Marvel, DC too. So the whole yeah, package. Yeah, yeah. Everything. And some people would argue that's a bad thing. That 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 could be disputed. Mm -hmm. If do we have too many comic book movies and is it but like all the number, all the highest grossing movies at the end of the year aren't generally Marvel movies. Mm -hmm. Yep. We we kind of wanted to to jump into how he has how you know Stanley has um you know, influence cinema as a whole. I think uh, the the entire landscape of of cinema as we know it and the box office as we know it um, is completely different now because of uh, m the Marvel comics. Um, because they they proved that you could do, um, I guess, a, a comic book movie with a lot of heart, with a lot of like uh, proper conflict. Um, and I think before the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man, the only thing we had were like, what, like the Batman movies? I think you had Blade. You had Blade and X-Men in terms of Marvel movies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Blade okay, and okay. X-Men. But yeah, it was the Burton. It was, you had the Donner Superman and Burton's Batman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you had Blade and then you had X-Men and then Spider-Man just was like, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, even even when you when you look at the first X Men, I mean, it's it's a good film, but it's just it's nowhere near the first Spider Man movie. Mm -hmm. Like, it's still nowhere near like as far as the again the heart and the human element and the drama that is on the screen that you're watching. Mm -hmm. It's nowhere near. It doesn't hit you as hard as the the first Spider Man does. Yeah, no, it has a lot more heart. Like, I I, I respect Brian Singer's first X Men movie. It's it, I really enjoyed it back in the day. Yeah, it still yeah. holds up decently well. Not great. Like I, I think X two was was yeah, a much better. Film. I love way X two. Yeah, but yeah. X Men, like it did it right. And look, they had to back in the day in two thousand one. You had to get rid of the yellow spandex and give them black leather. You had to ease the audience into right. The, the, like right now, almost everyone knows who Thanos is. Who that drives me insane. Like I don't. <laughs> I, I have a hard time comprehending. Like. <laughs> Like people who would never know who Thanos is supposed to be know who Thanos is. So yeah, uh, they had to ease 
the audience into it. So Brian Singer's X-Men did a great job at sort of slowly introducing people to these crazier concepts. <laughs> this guy has knives coming out of his hands. Yeah. Uh, made it acceptable. Yeah. But I think here's, you're saying that they made good comic book movies. I think they actually made good movies. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but Mm -hmm. what I meant is, is that it it kind of, but at that time, like we had like comic book films are like, or a superhero or movies based on superheroes were not, they're not what they are today. And and I think Sam Raimi's Spider-Man was that, that opening of the gate of the floodgates, you know, like that was. But but if you look at them today versus what they used to be, uh, they're very solid. There's good character development. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It can compete with any actual film. Absolutely. And, and this is this debate I have with with certain people. Sometimes you're going to go watch a comic book movie. It's a movie guys. Yeah. 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 It's no longer that. Yeah. Um, um, but you know, and, and it's very interesting now that we're, and I kind of mentioned this, uh, in a conversation I had, but it's, it's interesting, you know, it, it's kind of like, uh, this weird, bittersweet thing that we're getting the final, uh, uh, not, not the final final, but like the final Avengers film in this phase essentially. Mm-hmm. And next year and his, you know, Stan Lee's last cameo yeah. at the same time. And he, you know, with him passing now, it's just almost like this perfect circular kind of thing for this new generation of, which makes me worry just a little bit that like, it's almost like when Steve Jobs died, Apple tanked. I really don't want Marvel to tank. Like it scares me. I mean, I doubt they're going to tank with Kevin Feige. Maybe the MC, I mean, Marvel, the movies are probably fine because of Kevin Feige. I just meant like the comics in general and all that stuff. When you lose, it's like when you lose the soul of it. It's, yeah, it's it's, it's Ke- kind of scary. Kevin Smith said it best. If, if Kevin Smith had a, a beautiful like two hour podcast, um, uh, it's on YouTube if you want to find yeah, it. Talking yeah. about Stan Lee, it's really cool. But he said it's very weird waking up in a Stan Lee-less world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's been with us our whole lives, like yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah, he's been old my whole life ever since I knew who Stan Lee <laughs> was. He was in his seventies already. So it's this old guy who's it's just comforting knowing that he's around. I don't think losing him is going to affect like the quality of the movies or anything. Like he, he's a producer on all the Marvel films, but it's just like a, it's a gesture that right, they, right, he, he right. has nothing to do with these movies. But at least, dude, he got to live to see his movies touch so many people. Yeah. He's met so many fans who have told him how much he means to them. I almost got a chance to meet Stan Lee about four years ago. I was living in New York. There was a convention in New Jersey, and. Um, just to meet him and get a picture with him was $200. I would have paid $500 without hesitating. And I'm not a rich dude, but that's how much the guy meant to me. I paid the 200 right, right away. I paid an extra $100 for him to sign an extra item. One day before uh, that convention, he canceled his appearance because he, he had fallen ill. And I knew back then, I was like, I think that was my only chance because I knew I was leaving the States right after that. And it was very sad not to get to meet him. Like I would have killed to have a picture with Stan Lee. Right. And to commemorate, you know, and just, I just wanted to say thank you. That is literally all I wanted to say was you changed my life. Thank you. Something he's probably heard 10 million million times, times, you know, but um, I'm happy that he got to hear that over and over again. I'm happy that he knows how much people love him. So um, it's very rare for someone's art to be appreciated in their time while there's, while they're still around. I mean, just imagine that he was the one that was kind of essentially behind infinity wars in the comics. And now he's like, he's seen it. He's seen it on a giant screen with all the, all his creations alive, you know, like, 
flesh and you know flesh and bone. He's listed three to see three different people become Spider Man. Right? <laughs> right? You think once was enough. You got another one, then you got another one. Like it's, he's seen a lot. He's I, he got honestly like I'm just very happy for him. I'm happy that. Um, the only thing that makes me sad is that some of the artists that he worked with maybe never got that recognition, like Steve Ditko, Jack mm-hmm. Kirby, John Romita. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he overshadowed them, but that's that was just who Stan was. He was a marketeer. The guy loved the camera, and the camera loved him, so he was a great person to interview. He, he represented comics, so he, he became the face of not just Marvel, he became the face of comics. Like, yeah. DC never had their Stan Lee. There are a lot of great creatives in DC, but like Bob Kane created Batman. I couldn't name another character that he created that you would know that's, that most people would know. Marvel had Stan. Yeah. DC never had their Stan Lee. Yeah. So that's why he's so synonymous with comics, with with all that stuff. Um, yeah. Um, so, and and yeah. what I love, by the way, are is all the outpour of love and the comments on Instagram oh, yeah. and Twitter and the yeah. tributes from all the people that have worked with him. He seems like he was such a nice person, like such a good, good-hearted guy. Yeah. And, and you can, you can a, see with that. With a great sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. With a great he, sense He didn't of have humor. a problem with kind of making fun of himself on screen, just taking things a bit lightly. So I, I loved the, uh, the day he, he passed and I was going on my Instagram feed and I saw all the tributes and it was really touching and moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's a hilarious dude. And like he, he really cares about his fans. Like a week after his wife passed away. That was maybe like a year ago. He he had to put his prints on like the, I think for like the Hollywood Walk yeah, of Fame. Yeah, yeah, And he showed up a week after his wife died. And he, and Kevin Smith mentions this in his podcast, but like he put on Stan Lee. Like he didn't want to disappoint the fans. He didn't want to stay home. He didn't want to show up upset. He showed up, put on a smile and he was there for the fans, even though he was mourning the loss of his wife of at least 50, 60 years. And that is who Stan was. He puts the fans first. He changed the way companies interact with their fans, literally with Stan Soapbox, like we were talking mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit earlier. Um, the nickname, Stan, the man, Lee, Jack, the King, Kirby. He wanted to put a face to the company. He wanted to give it some personality. Mm-hmm. He literally kind of invented the DVD commentary. Like there were comics they would sell, like magazines. They would come with this little disc where it was just the artists and the writers talking and just joking around that fans could listen to and they could hear the voices of the people who were writing the mm. stories that they were reading. That was so ahead of its time. Yeah. That's before social, that's before the internet. So not only did he influence like pop culture, he changed the way companies interact with their fans. Mm. And I think also that's another thing we have to, we owe to, yeah. to Stan. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, you know, now, now uh, um, you know, we have... Avengers 4 coming out next year. We have Captain Marvel coming out next year. You and I have mentioned how like next year is a little it's a it's drier than usual when it comes to when it comes to Marvel. <laughs> We're movies. only getting four of them. <laughs> four next year? No, like was, two movies. But yeah, yeah, compared but, to yeah. one movie every 5 years it's like we're only getting three Marvel movies. That's yeah, nothing. Yeah. Um <laughs> so uh what what you know what are, what are some of your expectations for uh Avengers 4? I don't know what to expect. <laughs> I expect my mind to be blown <laughs> to again. To be blown away, yeah. Because they, I look. I think it's gonna be a bit hard because they set the standards so highly with Infinity War. Yeah. I, I think. I think they they will match it or even outdo themselves. Yeah. But 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 what a hard job they have. What a hard task they have. Again, to see what's gonna happen. Who's gonna come back? How do they come back? What's 
the, the whole mechanics of, of everything. And, and, and for, I think the rumors has it that it's going to be set a couple of years after uh, Infinity War. That's what I heard. Or it's like it's there's like time the future, gap between yeah. between Infinity War and Avengers Avengers 4. Yeah, yeah there's going to be time jump. Look, I heard a lot about Avengers 4. I'm not going to get into any of it here because I don't want to ruin it potentially for anyone. Expect some time travel, I would say. Mm. Okay. Expect... Um, Quantum realm some, stuff. Some quantum realm. Expect. Um, I do think it'll be better than the last one, which is saying a lot. But I do. Oh, think, okay. Wow. I do think they're going to be because I think it's also this movie is going to close out Captain America's arc. Yeah. That was started in the first Avenger. I think this movie is going to be very Captain America centric, which mm-hmm. is going to make you happy. Yeah. I think this is just. I haven't heard this anywhere. This mm. is just a rumor. Personally, yeah. I th- I think it would be a crime if Cap doesn't die at the end of Avengers Four. I right. Think he needs to die to serve that story and to close out his arc. Yeah. I think he needs to go back to the forties and be with um. Got Peggy. Be with Peggy. Be with his girl. She, he still owes her that dance, and I think that that's how his arc is going to close out. Like he's, he'll probably die in the present day. We'll see him in a parallel universe. He's going to show up and tell Peggy that, "Hey, I owe you that dance." They're going to dance, and I think we're going to have Cap dead in the present, but still alive somewhere. And maybe mm-hmm. five years, six years down the line, when the Avengers are in trouble. They're going to send someone back in time to bring Cap back. And that'll okay. be his big comeback, I think, like five, six, seven, eight years from now. Okay. If I had to plan very far ahead, I think that's what they would want to oh, do. Oh, well, I mean, that that sounds intriguing. Enough I like for, that. Yeah, I love I that. That would be very cool. Like, imagine, so brothers. I would watch uh, that movie. Hire him. <laughs> <laughs> Please, yeah, I'm, I'm down. But don't check my Twitter, Disney, or else you'll never hire me. <laughs> so. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm what, what I loved most about Infinity War, I think, is because is what the screenwriters did and they kind of like um flipped the you know like they turned the who the protagonist was supposed to be kind of unexpectedly because Thanos became the protagonist of Infinity War it was his arc that was being served mm-hmm. and not necessarily the heroes and i think that's what made it such an astoundingly good film um but i think in in, in Avengers 4 it's going to be back to the heroes it's not necessarily going to be Thanos's arc anymore mm-hmm. um so i think it's going to be an interesting thing to kind of watch them, you know, one after the other because of that, you know, uh, the reverse thing or the vice versa thing happening. Um, I do also have a feeling that cap won't make it out. Um, yeah, I think I like, I would love, obviously if you, I, I don't want the guy to die. Well, right. Like, yeah, right. It yeah. would serve the story so well, Yeah, you know, and, and like we're owed a proper, like, comic book character death at the end. Like Logan was great, but like dark Knight rises gave us that fake out, which, yeah, which wasn't which, which wasn't, wasn't cool, you know. Um, but I do think I do agree that I think we do need uh, uh, consequences in the universe, and uh, um, you know, we obviously know that a lot of those consequences that we got at the end of Infinity War aren't necessarily consequences because they have sequels. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, so we already know that those are characters that are going to be coming back. I just feel like we need. We need something to kind of like break us emotionally for real this time. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that would make the Marvel universe uh, something that maybe can be not that it's not taken seriously now, but it, it will be. I mean, legit, you'll be like, oh, OK, so people can die in this in this universe. I mean, for real die. Um, and I think that's always a good thing to have so that we're not always dealing with, uh, you know, plot armor. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with these characters, um, so someone have to say. I heard someone breathing in. Do you have anything to say? Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I was looking. I know I was looking off on the screen, so I wasn't sure if any of you wanted to say something. Alan, I am your father. No, you are. 
Shocker. Um, so, uh, Lebanese box office uh, is something that we've gotten you guys used to that we do here on the show. We talk about the box office. But uh, I'm looking at it now, and there really hasn't been much of a change since last week, uh, which is why I figured we could just briefly talk about it this week. Yeah. Uh, coming in at number five is... The, uh, r- 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 you know, relentless Johnny English <laughs> striking again. Um, uh, th- this is now its seventh week out in the... Are you sure? Is it? No, the Hunter Killer. Is it? Am I looking at the wrong one? Or am I, I looking at the wrong one? I don't know. I have the one from... No, you're looking at the wrong one. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, because the Grinch came out last week. Oh, there we go. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Sorry about that. Sorry, guys. Okay, so here we go. Um, the, so the Hunter Killer is number five. Uh, this is its third week. Uh, it's made um, four th- did 4,749 entries this week with 22,600 uh, in total so far. Yep. And at number four, you have a new entry, A Private War with uh, Rosamund Pike. Uh, it's at 5,359 entries. And then we've got The Grinch, uh, with it being its first week, with 6,788 entries. And at number two, Freddie Mercury remains almost on top of the box office (laughs) uh, with 8,139 entries with Bohemian Rhapsody. With a total of 17,000, oh, 18,000, let's just round it up. Yeah, 18,000. And still reigning king, uh, Nadine Labake's Kafar Naum, for its eighth week. Uh, this week it, may, it had 9,436 uh, entries, uh, capping off its total run being 162,972 entries uh, in the eight-week run. Sorry about the mix-up. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, we'll see what... It's like now with Fantastic Beasts yeah. uh, making its making its run, and then you've also got Wreck It Ralph two, um, you know, coming out soon as well. Uh, I know the premiere is today, but the um, it comes out next Thursday, right? Oh yeah, Wednesday and then you've got, and then you've got uh, Creed following in the week next after week, that. Yeah. Oof, the week oh, yeah. after that. So uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting s- to see how things will change. But listening to the numbers, it did seem like a slow weekend in the box office. Just mm. quick fun fact. Just for uh, I used to write box office reports for a couple of online publications here. And um, I kind of stopped because I realized that as a, as a population, we Lebanese people, we have horrible taste in movies. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. And I gave up writing about box office when Step Up, like, six or Step Up, five. Was number one. Was number one for, like, five weeks. I'm like, I'm done. That's it. I don't know why Step Up to the Streets, seven, is still number one. But I don't want to talk about this anymore. So... We we need to do better as a as a country. I think we can do better. Yes, you're absolutely right. This is Hot and I's constant conversation about the box office. Anyway, on that note, we're gonna we're gonna uh, start handing off our social media um, handles uh, and bringing the show to an end. Do we want to recommend just watch anything Stanley? I think this week is uh, yeah, anything, yeah, Marvel. anything Marvel related. Um, that'll be our 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 uh, recommendation. Anything in the MCU or you know Spider Man Two. Um, <laughs> Um, on that note, so if you want to follow me on social media, you can do so at Alan Mahana and Had.Solo. If you want to follow the great Anthony Sargon, you can do so at uh, Yeah, Geek Sargon. Uh, and just a quick, just uh, some recommendations. Stanley's Mutants, Monsters, and Marvels. It's a it's an in-depth interview with Kevin Smith that was done like 16 years ago. I highly recommend that one. Mm-hmm. And watch Kevin Smith's two-hour podcast. I think it's Fat Man Beyond, the Stanley tribute. 
uh, Kevin Smith has known Stan Lee for over 20 years, so he has a lot of Kevin great Smith is an awesome man. He's an yeah. awesome dude, um, and we almost lost Kevin Smith this year, by the way, with yeah, a heart attack. Did. Yeah, we and, did. And this year has been horrible for the geek community. We lost Steve Ditko, who co-created Spider-Man and a lot of other characters. We lost Stan Lee, and we lost John Schnepp. Mm -hmm. yep. So to think that we almost lost Kevin, Kevin Smith, Smith would have yeah. been insane. Um, but yeah, definitely watch that. Uh, he has a lot of great stories with Stan Lee, and if you're interested, I think it'll be uh, very worth your while. Thank you. That's awesome, uh, Anthony. Um, you can also uh, listen to our show on all podcast platforms. We are spreading across those platforms. Uh, uh, the, the more uh, uh, we, we grow our podcast, uh, you can watch our show on YouTube and Facebook. You can check out our website at www.scripttoscreenpod.com. Uh, I'm just rabbling them off yeah. really quick. Um, I want to thank all of our new listeners we've got a lot of those uh i've been checking our analytics uh sweden uh, india ireland egypt cyprus france we love all of you new people yes yeah, awesome. uh joining us uh listening to us now as well so thank you guys for joining us today um our condolences to all of san lee's uh friends and family and fans and lovers and all that um we will see you guys again next week stay cool go to better movies uh, anything else you guys want to say? Yeah, go to better movies. <laughs> go to better movies. Excelsior? Oh, yeah. Excelsior, yeah. Excelsior, indeed. Excelsior.